Hello, and welcome to Preacher, a podcast designed around the reality that many of our churches are still shrinking because we're not creating places where everyone can belong. So if you're seeing that reality in your own church, or you've experienced that and left the church, this podcast is for you. So welcome. I am your host, Jen Hale Christie. I want to give a huge shout out to the awesome patrons of this show, Sarah, Steve, Tom, and Sue. You guys are literally the best, and I'm so grateful for your support. If you are listening and you haven't yet joined our Patreon community, now's a great time. You can join with a support level as low as just three bucks a month, and your support keeps this good work going, keeps all the episodes available online. So thank you. Links are in the show notes. Our preacher today is Caitlin Hargrave, and she is in Rochester Hills, Michigan, where she serves the Rochester University community, um, doing ministry there. She's been doing that for many years, Um, and she is going to bring us a word today from the Gospel of Mark, and I'm really excited for you to hear this because it's about the subversive leadership of Jesus, the subversive hospitality of Jesus that just looks so different from the way that we think about uh, leadership in our culture and even hospitality. This message really challenges the boundaries that we love to erect to say who's in and who's out and who gets to do what. So let's listen in. Mark 9, 38 through 41 says, John said to him, teacher, We saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not one of us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly, I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was a kid, I was the stereotypical oldest child. I loved to be in the spotlight, in control, and having all the fun. My younger sister, who is just a year and a half younger than me, typically went along with what I wanted, or if she didn't, we worked well enough together that we could figure out what we wanted to do without too much parental oversight. That is, until it came to new toys or gifts. I have a very vivid memory of my sister's fourth birthday. It is a vivid memory because she got a cool new toy, a cool new snow white birthday cake, and it all ended with me getting in trouble. It also doesn't help that it ended up on videotape. I know. So here's the scene. My mom and dad, me and my sister, and my grandparents are at the table, and my mom brings out this incredibly cool Snow White birthday cake with a deer and an apple and Snow White and some other decorative things on top. She always got the cool cakes. Then, after blowing out the candles and eating this super cool cake, it was time for gifts. Now, like many five, almost six-year-olds, I wanted to be right there with the action. My sister begins to open a gift, but she is going way too slow. She's not doing it the way that I would do it, and we have a new toy to get to. So I reach over and I start helping her unwrap her gift. Poor little overzealous Caitlin wanted to be in control of the situation, doing what I thought was best and making sure that we could start playing with the new toy as soon as possible. But my good intentions were not well received by my sister or my parents, and actually were not at all helpful. 
So after ignoring my parents' request that I stop opening my sister's gifts, I was removed from the situation, talked to, and then later invited back in to play with my sister and the toy she had opened. Well, while not quite the same, John feels a little bit like an overzealous kid Caitlin here. We can imagine the scene. John and the disciples walk up and notice some random person casting out demons in Jesus's name, and he feels threatened. He leans over to Peter and James and says, do you know this guy? They mumble back and forth saying they don't. John goes on, uncharacteristically amped. If he's not one of us, I don't think he should be doing this and we need to stop him. When we do this, it's because we know Jesus. This guy doesn't know Jesus like we do and none of us know who this guy is. This is not right. All worked up, he walks over to the person, the others follow and trail shortly behind him. As he walks over, he's replaying in his mind his own recent attempt to heal a person that was, well, unsuccessful. So no doubt he is hurt and annoyed and frustrated that someone in Jesus's inner circle, quote unquote, couldn't do it right. But this random person was able to. You can see that frustration in his gait, stepping with purpose closer to the person until he finally approaches him and says, I noticed you're casting out demons in Christ's name, but you are not in our group. I don't think you should be doing that. You need to stop. The man looks at him with surprise and pauses before just moving on to the next person. The crowd around them, full of curious and ill people, are annoyed, saddened, and surprised by John's actions. And John turns to the other disciples for backup. And at that moment, notices Jesus. He walks over to him and says, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not one of us. But Jesus looks at John with tenderness and with a steady and firm tone says, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will soon after be able to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us, for truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. John is shocked. He thought for sure he was doing the right thing. He had never seen anyone outside of their group perform miracles. This person was not a chosen leader of Jesus' teachings. He wasn't one of them. He thought he was doing the right thing. And yet, here Jesus was, telling him to let go of the power of leadership they had previously held and allow this outsider to perform miracles in Christ's name. Whoever is not against us is for us. As we have seen time and again, leadership is a gift and a responsibility. But it is not something that we should hold so tightly that we suffocate the work God is doing outside of our own leadership and communities. Rather, it should be something we take seriously, but hold loosely with discernment, allowing the Spirit to guide us in light of the example of Christ. We are called to be leaders who let go of control and open our eyes and arms to the work of God around us, not policing who is in and who is out or who can lead or who can't. For any who bear the name of Christ is invited to participate. 
This is the hospitality of Christ, a reciprocal discipleship where we offer and receive from one another. This teaching of Jesus forbids the construction of exclusive and rigid social boundaries around communities of faith. It cannot be allowed. If we are truly to follow the example of Christ, the communities we are a part of must be encountered with surprising hospitality that make room for unexpected encounters with God's renewing and healing work. In my own story, and the story of so many others, I was the one trying to join in the work of God in the world. And as a woman called to ministry, especially in the Churches of Christ, I was pushed out again and again and again. Doors slammed in my face being told I do not belong, and that this was not how I should help. Not being given the opportunities others were receiving, I felt like the man being told to stop. And yet, like this man in Mark, who boldly healed in Christ's name, I continued to faithfully live into the call that has been placed on my life. And now I am in the role of the leaders, so I find myself on the other side looking to Jesus in this story as an example of hospitable leadership, of how I should lead in the midst of so many who have been unwelcome before. In this short Markin story, we see Jesus endorse, welcome, and encourage the redemptive practice of the outsider. And not only that, but when Jesus says, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward, He is affirming that the simplest act of hospitality is a joining in of the redemptive work of God in the world, embodying hospitality and partnering with God's redemptive work. John is worried about those who are competing for power, but Jesus is welcoming of all those who do the work of mercy and justice, the relieving of suffering and creating space for human flourishing. And instead of looking and seeking the work of God in the world and celebrating the already happening relieving of suffering of those in the crowd, John grasped tighter to the power he perceived came from his own sense of belonging to a particular group, rather than the power of God who is at work in and beyond only certain communities. I wonder how often might we in church or ministry leadership do the same? when a congregation gets nervous because another church opens down the road? Do we cling to and long for the power that would keep us in charge, in control, and with the most effective ministry? When a ministry is started that has a similar mission to the one we have started, do we strive to gain more followers, be more seen, hold tightly to our formula for success, hoping we don't lose engagement, volunteers, and partners? Or are we perhaps so focused on our own ministry and ideas of what that should look like that we miss the work being done just outside our window? Or maybe, like little Caitlin, are we being overzealous and assuming what would be helpful without actually paying attention to those around us? Shouldn't we rather discern what God might be up to instead of assuming we know best? Shouldn't we rather partner alongside others? Shouldn't we rather hope for more and more unique, diverse, unexpected people to join in the work of God? 
Shouldn't we be excited to see redemptive work be done? Shouldn't we be those welcoming of all who bear the name of Christ and seek to do redemptive work? Shouldn't we hope for that? And not only hope, but shouldn't we expect that? Jesus shows us again and again that to be a Jesus follower is to renounce the world's lust for power. We should continually seek to let go of control, let go of power, let go of ego, and be leaders who embrace the subversive leadership of Christ, drenched in the unexpected, delighted by surprise, embracing of the other, undeniably hospitable, and deeply engaged in the work of God in the world around us, not just within our circles of comfort and control. May we step into leadership as true missional leaders with arms toward all who bear the name of Christ, letting go of our need for power and joining in the redemptive and surprising work of God among us. If today you find yourself on the outside without a seat at the table or a voice in the conversation, may you lean into the truth that you're always welcome in God's community. If you are one who wears the name minister, pastor, elder, shepherd, or are otherwise known as a faith leader, may you extend God's yes to those you might have said no to in the past. May you be emboldened and encouraged to honor the space that God has already created for all. Let's build bigger tables together. If something in you was stirred today, reach out. Hearing from you really does help to shape the future of this podcast. You'll have the greatest impact and opportunities for engagement by joining our Patreon community by clicking that Become a Patron button on our page, patreon.com slash jenhalechristie. And I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook at jenhalechristie. Lastly, you would really help others to connect with this work if you would subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you next time.